0: What a privilege, what a joy it is every time to get to just share with the family and just share what, what's on my heart. I always say there's anything that the Lord is... is saying to me, that's the only thing that I I generally wanna preach. I believe that we must preach truth regardless, but I'm trying to live my life in a way that everything that I do share is something God's doing in my own heart. So when I do preach this morning, please know that it's not me trying to tell you to do something that I've got figured out, but I'm preaching something that I know is truth that God's building and doing in me. And I think He wants to do it in every single believer. And so if we would allow the Holy Spirit to do that, it's a work that changes everything. And uh, we're we're a church about the truth and we're built on the truth, we believe in the truth, and that's that. And so I think everyone in this room is hungry and excited to receive truth, truth that'll change you, that'll transform you, uh, make you more like Jesus, not just sit here and feel good about yourself. Is that all right? I think this is that kind of family. Yeah, some of you anyway. (laughs) I've got a word this morning that I feel is, um, it's an encouragement, but it's also an adjustment. And I just want you to open your hearts, allow yourself to be adjusted by the Holy Spirit. Um, is everyone okay? Cool. It's a, it's a word of adjustment, but it's a beautiful word. Whew, can you feel the Holy Spirit? Good. So the last couple of weeks, I've been on this, um, this journey with the Lord and myself where I've been having these encounters with God that I don't understand. And for for most of my life with God, my encounters have been encounters that He has explained to me, taught me something through it. And I've generally come out of that moment with the Lord, kind of feeling like I've learned a lesson, if that makes sense. And in the last month or so, I pretty much fasted half of January because I didn't know we were doing a church fast. So I fasted for like eight days. And then the week afterwards, we did a church fast. And I was like, oh, okay, we'll just keep going. But throughout that process, I was having these encounters with the Lord where I was having these moments with Him in the throne room. And He was beginning to show me things and teach me things. And He was teaching me what it looked like, but I had no language or vocabulary for what was going on. And I was coming out of the secret place feeling rocked by Jesus, but not knowing what the heck is going on. And, um, and I was, I've been wrestling with this and saying, Lord, help me, like, what are you saying? And then suddenly I'm starting to see angels and having these encounters with angels. And then people in the church are coming to me and showing me like, hey, I'm seeing this, I'm seeing that, and I'm going, no ways. That's what I'm seeing. And all these things are linking up, but I'm like, God, what are you, what are you saying, what are you doing? And uh, I've been through quite a, a hectic week or so the last little while. And it was in that, that I had this moment with the Lord and I was really, my heart was sore when I was processing something really big. And I felt the Lord sit with me and say, don't do it on your own. And I thought, okay, what do you mean, Lord? Like I'm, I'm trying not to, but then I realized that in trying to process all my mess and stuff that I was feeling inside and the heartbrokenness, I was doing it on my own. And I felt him say, don't do it on your own. I thought, okay, Lord. So I just started to lean on him and forget all the stuff that I was processing a journey and just started to enjoy the Lord. And next thing, he started to reveal to me why he was showing me the throne room. And he said, Connor, the church has lost the fascination of Jesus. And I thought, okay, what do you mean by that, Lord? And he said, I wanna renew and restore a fascination with who I am. And I realized I was beginning to see the throne room. Sorry, can we turn this down a little bit? It's a little bit loud he was starting to show me the throne room and I was starting to become completely fascinated by God himself. Not by what he's gonna do for me, not by what he's doing in the world, in the nations, but just simply by him. Do you understand what I'm saying? I promise you we're gonna unpack this, but I just need to share this. We need to get back to a place where we are fascinated by God, where our entire life and reason for existence is built around this fascination of who He is. That might sound a little bit foreign to you because maybe your relationship with the Lord is really built around what He's doing for you and not so much around who He is. And if you find that your relationship is built around what He's doing for you, when things are difficult, you'll feel really dry And so I was in this space in the last week where there was a lot going on in my heart and I was really, I'll just be vulnerable. For the first time in my life, I started to have symptoms of anxiety attacks. And I hate anxiety, man. That thing is from the pit of hell. And I know it's not my portion, but I was feeling the symptoms of it. And I was faced with this thing of like, well, what do I do I do with this? Like, I know that it's not the truth about who I am. I know who I am in Jesus, but in the condition of my life, I'm feeling the symptoms. So what do I do? And for a couple of days, I was trying to figure out what it was and deal with it and process it and it wasn't really working. I was just kind of feeling the same symptoms. And then I started to lean on Jesus and just actually realized that He was taking me into the throne room to gaze upon who He is, His beauty. And the more that I saw Him, the more those things started to fall away. And I began to become fascinated with the throne room. I began to see things and, and have these visions that I had no language for, but it was real to me. And here's what I want to encourage you with. Sometimes with the Lord, you experience something before you understand it. You don't need to understand what He's doing in order to experience it. So what we're going to talk about today is an adjustment that that I hope is going to set you free because Jesus wants to bring the church back to a place of being fascinated and fixed on Jesus. Okay, is that all right? He's our high priest. All right. So, We've been on this journey together about this new wineskin. And I I wanna just bring another word into that sentence. It's not a new wineskin in that last month it was a different one and this month it's a new one. It's not that kind of new wineskin, it's a new covenant wineskin. This is the wineskin from way back when Holy Spirit filled the room. It hasn't changed, we've just got confused and we're coming back and understanding what this wineskin actually looks like. So we've been talking about this wineskin and we've said that it's the wineskin of the heart. And last week my mom spoke on a heart of flesh and I just wanna help you understand something. It's a heart of flesh, not a heart of the flesh. That's what we're gonna unpack this morning and go through that it 's a heart of flesh, but it 's not a heart of the flesh and so we 've been going through this this whole thing and, and for my home group i 'm going to apologize for something because in trying to get the language of teaching this thing i 've used a word when I taught it, and the Holy Spirit has corrected me on this thing, and so Yay, everybody, I'm a human being and I'm learning and I'm growing and even when I'm preaching and teaching, Holy Spirit is teaching and and molding me and shaping me and changing my vocabulary. How many people in the last little while have used or heard the word vulnerability? How many of you are like, I love that word vulnerability. I was there about two and a half days ago where I was feeling like, yeah, this thing of the heart, God's trying to teach us vulnerability. But then we had this moment at home group where we were being vulnerable and it was such a beautiful thing. And I really felt like God was on it, that people were sharing their hearts and sharing what they were going through. And we needed to be encouraged by that and journey together. But something inside of me was uncomfortable. And I was going, why am I uncomfortable? Because we're sitting here and I'm so glad that I know where everybody's at. I know their hearts and I know what's going on. And some of you in the church, we've met together and we've shared stuff and and I understand we're all on these journeys, but something in my heart was just niggling me. And I was going, God, what is this thing? that I'm wrestling with around vulnerability. And then he said, go look it up. So I went to look up the word vulnerability. Do you want to know what the definition of vulnerability is? The quality or state of being exposed to the possibility of being attacked or harmed, either physically or emotionally. Ouch. That, let me say it again. The quality or state of being exposed, underline that word, to the possibility of being attacked or harmed, either physically or emotionally. That doesn't sound like Jesus. Because Jesus doesn't expose, He doesn't attack, and He doesn't harm us, nor physically, nor emotionally. So I don't think Jesus wants us to be vulnerable. Oh! <gasps> So I said, okay, Jesus, hold on a second. You're giving us this thing of the heart and the wineskin of the heart. And you're telling us to be real about the journey that we're on. But we've used this word vulnerability and I don't think you're in it. So what are you talking about? And he said, just replace the word vulnerability with humility. And I thought, okay, hold on a second. So I went and looked up humility. This is what humility means. The quality of having a modest or low view of one's importance in the equation. Oh, the quality of having a modest or low view of one's importance in the equation. So God said to me, it's about humility, not vulnerability. Vulnerability exposes you. Humility is a dependence on Jesus. Humility is an understanding that even though I might be journeying something, it is of so little importance when I've got my eyes fixed on Jesus. See, here's the thing that I wanna warn the church and those that are watching on the cameras and things. By the way, we've got a YouTube channel, (laughs) Yes Jesus, Um, so people can watch this stuff. But here's what I wanna warn the church across the world with, because I believe that 24-7 has greater influence than just these four walls. Here's the warning. Be careful that sin consciousness is not creeping into the church under the disguise of vulnerability. See, vulnerability produces sin consciousness. Humility produces dependency on Christ. Vulnerability, let me ask you this question. When I ask you to be vulnerable, what's the first thing that you think of sharing? Your struggle. Your sin, the stuff that you're processing, the stuff that you're having to deal with in your life. And so this was the thing, I'm sitting there and I was trying to teach vulnerability and say, you don't only have to be vulnerable about your sin stuff, you can also be vulnerable about your happy stuff. The reality is there is this mindset around vulnerability that's actually just, I'm struggling, I'm stuck in this. And here's what the Lord said to me. He said, the church needs to stop relating to themselves according to who they used to be and start understanding who they are. So you can call yourself a son, but still relate to yourself like an orphan. So if you find that you're in this place, this position with the Lord, where you know what He's told you that you are, but when you look at the state of your life, you've got all this junk and you're so focused on why you have it. And now, because we've got this excuse of vulnerability, well, I need to go on this journey and process all this stuff. All you've done is you've put your eyes on your rubbish, you've taken them off of Jesus, and you've become sin conscious and not aware of Jesus, and now you're stuck again. But when there's humility, I'm not denying what I'm going through, I'm just aware that Jesus is King. Do you understand what I'm saying? I can be going through a really rough time in my condition, battling something really difficult, but humility says this is of so little importance in light of the majesty of Jesus. And when I fix my eyes on Him, I become like Him. So all this stuff begins to sort itself out. See, here's the thing. The devil is constantly trying to bring the church back to a place of you're in control. Vulnerability puts you in control again. Vulnerability puts you in control of your journey rather than surrendering it to Jesus and saying it's yours. You cannot do it. So, There's two words that I believe are the expression of this wineskin of the heart, humility and meekness. Humility having a modest or low point of view in terms of your importance in the equation. You know, I'm not, this stuff is so not important in light of this, okay? That's humility. The second word is meekness. Do you know what meekness means? It means to be submissive. If you wanna journey what you're journeying, start with meekness. Start with submitting. For an example, there's a, a lot of stuff going out right now about vulnerability all over the world. And um, one of the things you know, with the anxiety symptoms was like you need to find the root of that anxiety. Find the thing that's causing the anxiety so that you can deal with it. That sounds really good. In fact, there's entire teachings around it and there's slithers of truth to that. but. I just realized that when I was trying to do that and deal with this thing, I just started having the symptoms more and more because I was so aware of my feelings of anxiety. I'm trying to find the root and I'm assessing this thing and then every five minutes, (sighs) I can't breathe and I've got this thing and I'm going, what is going on? And then Jesus is saying, bro, forget all that stuff, just lean on me, push into me, look at me. And then I'd go lie on the floor, I'm sucked into the throne room and now I'm seeing all this activity and I'm going, God, this isn't giving me the answer to my anxiety, what is all this stuff? And he's saying, I am the answer. If you would see me for who I am, if you would encounter me and begin to gaze upon my glory and begin to become fascinated with me, you begin to understand something which we're gonna unpack this morning, and that's this. In Hebrews 4, it talks about Jesus constantly interceding on our behalf. Do you know what intercession is? Intercession is divine intervention. Jesus is divinely intervening on my behalf 24 7, 365, which means regardless of my condition, I am constantly in a state of oneness with the Lord. A couple of weeks ago, my dad shared this Sin doesn't block you from God, pride does. See, Jesus doesn't oppose sin, he opposes pride. Guess what vul- vulnerability produces? Pride. then you're going, how does vulnerability produce pride? Because it's false humility. Because the reality is I'm being vulnerable and I'm saying, look at all my junk. I've got a journey, all this stuff. I'm being vulnerable and open and it's really hard and I've got this and that. The reality is what you've done is you've made that thing bigger than Jesus. It's pride. Humility says I'm not being fake about what I'm going through, it's real. For example, I had symptoms of anxiety they were not fake. I could not ignore them. Do you understand what I'm saying? When you can't breathe, you can't be like, I'm fine. <laughs> I'm fine, no, no, I'm okay, all good, Jesus is king. No, I had to, it was real, there was a process in that. But what I did was I was saying, Jesus, I'm giving you this. You are so worthy, you are king of my life. I know this is not my portion, but I'm asking you to come and make this my reality. Do you understand what I'm saying? I'm being, I'm being I am an said vulnerable, I'm being humble. See how we gotta change our language. I'm being humble when I'm saying, Jesus, would you breathe on me? Come and allow the vibrations of your breath and your voice to begin to transform and shape my life. See, humility produces transformation. Vulnerability, you just get stuck. Okay, you guys all right? So the wineskin of the heart is expressed in humility and meekness. There's some stuff about the flesh, which I wanna hit as well. See, vulnerability keeps your attention on your flesh. You focus on your struggles, your shortcomings, and your sin. Humility keeps your attention on Jesus. You focus on your need of and dependency on the Holy Spirit. When you're humble about what you're going through, you're saying, I need you. It's real, but I can't fix it without you. So people are going, okay, dude, give me some scripture for this. Sweet, let's do that. You can turn to 2 Corinthians chapter three. So we're gonna talk about this heart thing because I really do believe that this wineskin is a wineskin of the heart and it is a heart of flesh. It's not a heart of the flesh, it's a heart of flesh. Let me explain to you the difference. We're gonna get there. 2 Corinthians chapter three uh, from verse two. You are our letter of, I'm reading from the Amplified, by the way. I love the Amplified right now. It's just, there's extra words that are just helping me. You are our letter of recommendation written in our hearts, recognized and read by everyone. You show that you are a letter from Christ, delivered by us, written not with ink, but with the Spirit of the living God, not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of human hearts. Verse four, such is the confidence and steadfast reliance and absolute trust that we have through Christ toward God. So he's just said that, he's writing this letter on our hearts, and then verse four is talking about an absolute reliance, trust and dependence on Jesus to do it, okay? Jump across to chapter 12. Here's uh, Paul, this is the, the famous one about weakness. Here's when Paul tackles this topic of weakness, which we all understand. I don't think there's anyone in this room that can say they don't experience weakness, right? So let's go from uh, chapter nine. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. And the Amplified, it says, my loving kindness and my mercy are more than enough, always available, regardless of the situation. For my power is being perfected. And then it says, and is completed and shows itself most effectively in your weakness. Therefore, I will all the more gladly boast in my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may completely enfold me and may dwell in me. So here's Paul saying he's, he's happy to boast in his weaknesses, okay? So there's a transparency here. He's really okay with you knowing that he's weak. But what kind of weakness is he talking about? Verse 10, so I am well pleased with weaknesses, okay? Then he begins to list a few. With insults, with distresses, with persecutions, and with difficulties for the sake of Christ. For when I am weak, and the Amplified explains that that word weak is actually weak in human strength, then I am strong, truly able, truly powerful, truly drawing from God's strength. So when he's talking about weakness here, which we all journey, he is not talking about sin. See, when we talk about weakness and wanting to be transparent and and process our weakness, generally most of us are talking about our struggle, our sin, the stuff that's in our life that we're trying to deal with. He's not even talking about that, he's actually talking about human strength. And the list of weaknesses that he he gives there are situations that we cannot overcome in our own ability. Jump to chapter 13. from verse three. Since you seek proof that Christ is speaking in and through me, he is not weak or ineffective in dealing with you, but powerful within you. Verse four. For even though he was crucified in weakness, yielding himself, yet he lives resurrected by the power of God, his Father. Listen to this next line. For we too are weak in him. (gasps) What? (laughs) Weak in him? Amplified explains what that word weak means as he was humanly weak, yet we are alive and well in fellowship with him because of the power of God directed toward you. So, when we talk about weakness, we're not talking about your struggle, your sin, we're talking about your human frailty, the fact that if you don't have the strength of God, you can't overcome, okay? This is what Jesus did. Jesus yielded himself in human weakness to be crucified. Remember that he was God, He yields Himself to human weakness to be crucified and models something of a complete reliance and dependence on the power of the Holy Spirit. Think about this, when Jesus died, only three days later was He raised. So where was He in between that? Jesus had to die with a complete trust and dependence that the Holy Spirit was coming to get Him. He's modeling this beautiful thing of humility and trust and dependency on the Holy Spirit for us so that we would understand that even in our human weakness, we can acknowledge human weakness, but there is a dependency on the Holy Spirit. I'm not conforming to human weakness. I am trusting in the Holy Spirit to breathe on human weakness, to be my strength. That's why His power is made perfect in our weakness. It's when you can't do it that He comes through. If you would live your life with an understanding that you can't do it, you'd probably see a bigger demonstration of the power of God in your life. Stop trying to understand and figure it out and start trusting. Okay, people are, listen to this, verse five. He's just said this. He's just spoken about this human weakness and then the power of the Holy Spirit. He says, test and evaluate yourselves to see whether you are in the faith and living your lives as committed believers examine yourselves, or do you not recognize this about yourselves, that Jesus Christ is in you, unless indeed you fail the test and are rejected as counterfeit. Okay. Here's what Jesus is saying. I've gotta live my life with an understanding that in my own strength, I'm done. And I have to rely and depend on the Holy Spirit to do everything. And if that's not the expression of my life, I need to test and evaluate myself to see if I'm actually truly in the faith. What are you believing if it's not coming from a place of complete trust, reliance, and dependence on the Holy Spirit? Because here's what you get, two kinds of people. One, I'm weak and I'm vulnerable about my weakness, and I stay in my human condition. And I'm begging God to move, but I'm so focused on all the stuff in my life and I just feel stuck and I just feel restricted and it's the same cycle over and over and over again, right? And then we, we live like survivors and we don't rule and reign in life. Then you've got people on this side. This is on, we're still on the negative side of the coin here. It's just too... This side, you've got people that portray and put on this thing of like, man, I just, I'm so on fire. God is doing amazing things in my life, uh, you know, and I'm saying the right stuff and I'm talking the right language and I've got all this amazing stuff that I'm portraying, but inside I'm dying. Do you understand what I'm saying? There's stuff happening in my heart. I'm not healthy inside, but I'm putting on a show and portraying something for everyone else. You know, when Jesus, in Matthew 12, verse 34, when He throws out, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks, do you know what He's addressing? He's addressing the hypocrisy of the Pharisees. And He's actually saying, you're saying all this stuff, you've put on this beautiful show, but inside you're actually dead. And so you've got these two expressions and neither of them are actually what Jesus is talking about. What He's talking about here is He's saying, the only time to acknowledge weakness is to acknowledge the fact that I can't do it on my own. You weren't meant to live here, so don't stay there. You can acknowledge the reality of the condition that if God doesn't turn up, this is where I'm at when I preach. I get up here and I'm like, Lord, if you don't turn up, I'm just gonna sit down. Because what's the point? I don't have anything to offer you. I don't have anything to give you. I've got to this point, I don't even, I'm not even concerned about being a good preacher anymore. Because you know what? You don't need a good sermon. You've had a lot of them. You need truth. You need the Holy Spirit to fill you and possess you with the power, the resurrection power that He is because that's the only way that you're gonna live the life that He's called you to live. You need Him. So the only time that we acknowledge our weakness is to acknowledge that we can't do it on our own and that we need Jesus. So let me, let's talk about when Jesus came. And I just wanna share this I'm gonna use the words the humanity of Jesus and I'm not knocking anything that anybody's preached on this because I've heard stuff and it's good stuff, take nothing away from all of that. But I've been wrestling with this word, the humanity of Jesus, the humanity of Jesus. And I started to just kind of study this thing. the The word became flesh, Jesus breaks into time and takes on the form of man, okay? Here's where we get a little confused. When Jesus broke into time, he did not lower or compromise the nature of God to come and be one with man. He raised man to the nature of God by transforming the nature of man to the nature of God. And he did that by taking on the form of humanity and conquering it. See, Jesus conquered humanity so that you didn't have to live by it. We have to be so careful that we don't use the humanity of Jesus as an excuse to live in the human way. Like I said, it's an adjustment word. I can see the adjusting going on. Just tell your faces to smile at me. I I love you. Please don't throw any stones. It's all good. Here's the reality. Jesus conquered humanity. He did not conform to it. He took on the nature of man and modeled life dependent on the Holy Spirit so that we could live in that and not by human nature. You see, in Romans 8, it talks about living by the Spirit and not living by the flesh. And there's two words, the flesh is mentioned twice, and there's two meanings for that word, the flesh. One is the human body. It's your vessel, So that when my mom spoke last week and she said a heart of flesh, we're talking about the fact that you live in this human body that has a heart of flesh and it's in this innermost being that your soul and your spirit, it's the environment where they believe. It's where you operate from. So that's this wineskin. But the other word for the flesh, which is used in the Romans 8 scriptures, is man's nature without the Holy Spirit. Humanity. Humanity is man's nature without the Holy Spirit. So why would we want to bound or box Jesus to that? Why would we use the fact that Jesus came and made Himself a human as an excuse for us to live in humanity? Because the Bible in James, it talks about wisdom from this world, human wisdom, essential and demonic. So to say you're only human is to say you're only sensual and demonic. See, the reason why you're, you're struggling with this is because your relationship with Jesus has been more about what He's doing for you than actually who He is. See, if you've lost the fascination of who Jesus is, you need to go back and question what your relationship with Him is built on. Because I got free from anxiety, not by months of processing and trying to deal with it. I got free from it in a moment when I realized, oh, it's you, Jesus. What is anxiety? It's an intimidation tactic by the enemy. You think I'm gonna let that sway what he's doing? I tried to process and deal with those symptoms, and it got worse. I stopped trying to process them and started looking at Jesus, and they disappeared. And just by the way, we got breakthrough in our situation when I stopped worrying about it. You can jump to Romans, sorry, not Romans, I'm stuck in Romans, um, Hebrews chapter 10. Let's read from verse 14. For by the one offering he has perfected forever and completely cleansed those who are being sanctified. That word sanctified, sanctified, it means bringing each believer to spiritual completion and maturity. For by the one offering he has perfected forever and completely cleansed. So stop there. Thank you, Jesus. You died for me. You've perfected me forever and you've completely cleansed me. And then there's this little... Second bit, those who are being sanctified. See, there's this expression and this journey in my life where I'm living from the finished work of the cross and expressing it every single day. The only way that that's gonna actually be expressed is if I behold the one that I'm going to become like. You become what you behold. If you behold Jesus, you become like Jesus. If you behold anxiety, you become anxious. He wants to bring the bride into spiritual maturity and completion. And he does that by a fascination of our high priest, Jesus Christ, who has done it all. See, man, I can, I'm fighting this thing in the spirit. I can feel it. I'm wrestling with this little demon that's holding the church and he's such a wimp. And here's what I wanna encourage you with. Jesus is king. It has always been about Jesus. It will always be about Jesus. He is our high priest, and the work is finished. It is finished. The blood of Jesus has conquered every obstacle. Vulnerability is trying to creep its way in here to stop you and hinder you from being who God's called you to be. And I'm standing on its head this morning. Because I'm saying it's not about vulnerability, it's about humility. It's about yes, life happens, situations happen. I get squeezed. But the point is that when I get squeezed, I know that it has to, this overcoming thing has to come from Jesus. I can only win if He's winning for me. So it doesn't matter how hard you squeeze me, as long as I'm beholding Jesus, you're going to get Jesus all over you. And the reason why that's not happening for a lot of us is because we're stuck in our mess. And we don't even know it because we've just changed the wording from sin consciousness to vulnerability. And the devil knows that. And so now what he's doing is he's attacking church leaders across the world who have influence and authority, and he's using this thing to say, actually, this is the way. This is the way. Process what you're doing. Journey what you're doing. Just relax. Focus on it. Go into that stuff. The reality is put that stuff aside. It's dead and it's buried. It's an echo. It's not a voice. But you're giving it authority by giving it attention because what you behold, you become. So what are you beholding? What are you giving your attention to? This wineskin for the new wine. The new wine is the Holy Spirit. This new covenant wineskin is humility and meekness expressed from the heart. The heart is the environment where the spirit and the soul believe. Yes. Romans ten ten. with the heart one yes. believes. So when we talk about a wineskin of the heart, what are we talking about? A state of being. See, believing, is a state of being, not an art of doing. Faith is not an art of doing, it's a state of being. So when we talk about this wineskin of the heart, we're not saying the wineskin is you exposing all your junk. Why would you expose something that Jesus covered? I love you. <laughs> Verse 15. And the Holy Spirit also adds His testimony to us. <laughs> Stop there for a second. Maybe my testimony is of less importance. Maybe His testimony is the one that counts. Do you want to know what His testimony is? Verse 16. This is the covenant that I will make with them after those days says the Lord. I will imprint my laws upon their heart and on their mind I will inscribe them. What that means is it produces an inward change. See, this wineskin of the heart is not about trying to journey our junk. It's also not about professing to be something that you're not in reality. What it's about is a dependence on the Holy Spirit where He comes and He imprints His laws on your heart and His thoughts on your mind. And it becomes a reality inside of you because He's doing it. And as you begin to live your life, it becomes expressed from here to there. Because it's coming from believing, not coming from trying to do something. It's coming from a state of being. Do you know that believing is not something that you do, it's something that you become? A believer, you become a believer. You don't do a believer, you become one. So here's the thing. It is possible for you to profess something that you don't actually believe. It is possible for you to profess that you believe something that's not real inside of you. Can I tell you how you can see it? Your fruit. Because Jesus said, if you make the tree good, good fruit, make the tree bad, bad fruit. That's not necessarily what you say, it's how you live. You can be somebody that says all the right things, but if your life doesn't look like that, you can see the fruit of actually what's going on inside. And so there is this journey of being real about that and saying, Holy Spirit, like this is my prayer, Lord, make it real in my heart. Imprint your laws on my heart, your thoughts on my mind, so that the expression that comes from my life is authentic and true. I am all about that journey of sanctification. Every day I'm becoming more like Him. Why? Because I'm learning to surrender more. But I'm not gonna put an emphasis on something that He took the emphasis off. That's a great one. So, I wanna encourage you with this. God is not interested in what you were saved from. <laughs> He's not interested in what you were saved from. He's interested in what you were saved into. We're interested in what we were saved from. That's why I, when a guy comes and says, I've, you know, I was on drugs for 17 years and God saved me, that's like, wow, he must be anointed. Somebody comes and says, actually, I've been loving Jesus my whole life and I've been faithful to him. Oh, cool, man, you just carry on. Why, because we put the emphasis on what we were saved from, not what we were saved into. God has no emphasis on what you were saved from. I'm grateful for forgiveness. I'm grateful for what I was saved from, but I'm not interested in looking back at it. Let me ask you this question. My mom shared this on Thursday and it just blew my mind. If the the testimony of Jesus is prophecy and we've taken on the nature of Jesus, what's our testimony? Who we're becoming, not what we were. Do you understand that? Your testimony, if the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy, and I've taken on the nature of Jesus, why is my testimony what I was and not who I'm becoming? See, when that becomes your testimony, it's all about Jesus. When this is your testimony, it's all about you. I know who I was before Jesus. I don't want to look at that guy. He's a Wally. <laughs> I, don't wanna, I don't want to don't talk about that guy. I want to talk about who I am in Jesus. And the Lord spoke to me about that and He said, do not relate to yourself according to who you used to be. Relate to yourself according to who I say that you are. Don't call yourself a son, but treat yourself like an orphan. Call yourself a son and live like one. That's where freedom is because sin no longer has power over us. Guys, okay. I was really nervous to bring this word. I promise you, I really feel like this is um, the reason why I was nervous about this is because I knew that it was bigger than the people in this room. I've realised that we're addressing something here that is uh, is a tactic by the enemy, and it's, it's an attack on the bride all round. And in simple words, this is what's happening. It's a disguise that brings us back under the law. Because the law was there to expose. Grace doesn't expose. Vulnerability is about exposing what's happening and making you vulnerable to hurt or to harm. Humility is realizing that your stuff is of no importance and can stay covered by the blood because Jesus is transforming you. So the reason why I share this this morning is I want you to be free and understand that this wineskin, this new covenant wineskin of the heart is not a new covenant wineskin of exposure, it is a new covenant wineskin of trust and dependence on the Holy Spirit. It is a state of being, it is believing. I think the Lord wants to teach us once again what it means to believe. Because what you believe you become, there is a fruit in your life, it shows. You can see it in a person not by what they say, by who they are. Because at the end of the day, vulnerability ultimately produces hypocrisy because vulnerability never produces freedom and eventually you start to feel like you're a failure and so you start to portray something that you're not because you've never got free from the stuff that you were journeying when the reality is Jesus didn't deal with sin by having to go with each individual thing, process it, help you understand it, deal with it and get free. He just dealt with it once and for all, covered by the blood, put aside, you're free, walk free. The blood of Jesus conquered. And so when we talk about Jesus becoming a man, we're not talking about Jesus becoming like a human in a sense of nature, but he took on the form of man to bring us up into the place of oneness with the Lord, that we would take on the nature of the deity. Not that we would become gods, that we would become children of God, that we would carry his nature and his likeness and that we would live in the freedom that that brings. Jesus doesn't have to journey anxiety and try and deal with anxiety, he's free. And that's what he's given me. And it's a choice to live in that. And while you're here on the earth, there are things that will squeeze you and come at you, but as long as you lean and rest in Him, you'll be free from it, because you'll find a peace that goes beyond understanding. You'll find a joy that cannot be taken from you. You'll find a love that overcomes and overpowers. Love covers a multitude of sins. Love doesn't process sin, it covers it. This is such a a weird word for me to prepare because I didn't feel like I was preparing. I knew what was inside of me. I knew what he wanted to share. And I spent most of my time saying, oh God help. Oh God help, because this is a word for the church. And we're in a season right now where we're about to see a move of the Holy Spirit that does not end it does not start and finish it is a it is a consistent move of the holy spirit and he is only building his church here's what i want to encourage you with please be so careful with what you are listening to please youtube has done amazing things but it's also crippling the bride facebook all this stuff i promise you we are building theologies around people's opinions and we are not getting it from the word and it is so dangerous beloved Just because somebody says something does not make it truth. Everything that I say to you, go and eat this thing. Find it in here. Make sure that it comes to life. And if you're led by the Holy Spirit, watch the life that it will produce. We've got to make this about Jesus. We've got to become fascinated by Him again. When we are fascinated by Jesus, everything else falls into place. He wants to take you into the throne room. That could freak you out and scare you, but I promise you, it's the most beautiful thing. When He begins to show you the crystal clear river and the waters and begins to teach you why they're crystal clear. When you begin to see the floor that's like crystal mingled with fire, You know, I found myself praying prayers that I didn't understand. I was reading and and God was showing me the the living creatures with the eyes that are looking at him and pretty like intimidating, like scary guys, but they're covered in eyes. And I found myself praying, Lord, give me more eyes so that I can see more of you. And then I was going, what is, what? (laughs) What does that even look like? What does that mean? But I'm praying these prayers because I am fascinated by the majesty of Jesus and it's all that I want. And when my life is built and centered around knowing God and not God doing something for me, I can live in peace, I can live in joy, I can sustain what God's doing. And I made a statement to my home group and I wanna change the one word. Vulnerability does not produce sustainability, humility does. Humility produces sustainability. You wanna live a sustainable life with Jesus where in 50 years time, you're still on fire for Jesus and even deeper in love with Him, humility because humility is trust and dependence on Him. He'll do it, beloved. You guys all right? It's so weird, I'm done, but I'm not sure that he is. I think there's a lot of people that felt a relief in being able to bring out what they were journeying. But relief is temporary. Freedom is eternal. You can feel relief by bringing something out so that people know and exposing something, but you'll never be free from it until you behold Jesus. You'll never become like Jesus if you don't behold Him. And so if you want freedom, stop looking at your junk and start beholding Jesus. Because His design for you was not just relief. His design for you was freedom. And you can feel freedom in a moment. How many of you have had that? You have an encounter with the Lord where you feel something lift off of you and you go, "Ah, I feel free. And then you wake up tomorrow morning and the symptoms are back. I thought I was free. I thought He took it from me. Why am I feeling the same way? See, because you can have freedom in a moment, but freedom is sustained through intimacy with the Father. You only stay free by staying in relationship. So what happens when the symptom comes back? Just because there's a symptom does not make it your reality, it's an attack. So you have a symptom, your default is surrender. It's of less importance, I behold Jesus. Jesus breathes the vibrations of his breath begin to take shape and form inside of you, and suddenly you begin to become like Him, and you walk free. Do you know that the voice of God, do you know what a whisper is? A whisper is when you you breathe something, it comes from breath rather than from your vocal cords. Do you know that scientifically, whispers travel further than your voice? Just so you know, the frequencies of a whisper travel, yeah, that's why, Patty, you should be preaching, everyone will hear you anyway because he whispers all the time. <laughs> so here's what I what I want to encourage you with. Whispers carry more vibrations than your voice does. And the Holy Spirit was vibrating over the earth in the beginning and then God spoke. The whisper of God begins to form his nature inside of you. The vibrations of the Holy Spirit begin to move things begin to, you know, if you take a, a soundboard, some of you don't know what that is, and you spread some sand over that and you, you play a specific frequency into that board, the sand becomes a shape because sound moves things. And so when you behold Jesus and you are defined by His voice, by His whisper, by His breath, you move. The things in your life begin to take shape According to the frequency, you, they begin to adjust according to the frequency of the voice of God. Transformation is in His voice, not in your process. Transformation is in what He is speaking over you, not in what you think that you are. Is that all right? I feel like there's some people in the room that need to get Free. And you will get free, not because anyone lays hands on you, you will get free because you behold Jesus. See, you don't need ministry, you need truth. You do not need someone to lay hands on you right now with what I'm sharing. You need to behold Jesus. You need to say, Lord, show me your glory. Why does Moses get to a place where the Lord says, I'm gonna give you everything that I've promised you. And he says, I don't want it unless your presence goes with me. Maybe he's actually the promise. Guys like Moses who lived their entire life contending for something and never got to see it. Was his life worth it? Absolutely. Because the presence is the promise. Jesus is the promise. God might have given you promises over your life that you're contending for and you want to see those things, and that's beautiful. And I believe in those promises. But if you don't see them, are you shaken? If you spend your whole life just seeing the beauty and majesty of Jesus, was your life worth it? Come on. There's some of you today, I'm seeing like God, it's like the light of heaven just went whoosh. I can see it on you. It's like there's an enlight, enlightening happening over you right now. So I would love, for, if we could sing that Jesus, your beautiful song, and I'd love for us to stand and, and if you wanna find a, In fact, actually, that's so true. I would love for you to come to the front. Jesus is so big on responses and the church is so weak on them. And God's changing that and He's transforming that because Jesus didn't say, hey, Peter, Um, lift up your hands and accept me, and then we'll kind of see each other every now and then in journey. He said, follow me, which required a dropping of everything and a response. And so this is such a small thing, but when I ask you to come out of your seats, I'm actually just asking for a response. I'm asking for you to tell your body that you were designed for an expression of love. So get up, get off your seat, and actually that's what we're doing. (laughs) It's when your spirit and your soul rise up and say, by the way, flesh, you were designed. If you're feeling like the Lord just wants to do a deep work in you and and you're just getting set free from some stuff, I'd love for you to respond. There's no compulsion or anything or or heaviness, but if you'd like to come to the front, I wanna welcome you to that space. Um, We're just gonna sing a, a song and it's basically just that Jesus is so beautiful. And what I'd like you to do is actually ask Him to come and show you who He is. In fact, some of you need to ask Him to take you to the throne room where you can gaze upon His beauty and behold Jesus and realize who you really are. So when you leave today, take one thing, behold Jesus and watch what happens. You can go for it. So Father, I just thank you for every single person in this room. God, I pray for freedom. I pray, Jesus, that as as you are teaching us about this new covenant wineskin, of humility of the heart. Father, I just thank you that you would just captivate our gaze this morning. God, we wanna be fascinated by you. And as we look at you, I thank you that you will finish the work. You will do it, Lord Jesus. And I pray right now that you would open every mind and open every heart, open our spiritual eyes and our spiritual ears to see you, to hear you and to encounter you, that you would bring freedom this morning. And I just speak against that silly little demon that's trying to hold people captive to their junk. And I just tell you that you have no authority and that you, right now your head has been cut off. And there is freedom in this place for every single one of us to know you intimately, to behold you and to encounter you in your fullness. And so thank you Jesus for that beautiful expression of family, of humility and of the heart. And I just pray that you would do what I can't this morning. In Jesus' name.